The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 186th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. Real quick, how are you doing? I am perfect. I leave for LA tomorrow, so I am at work and mentally checked out. as pretty much as hard as I can check out. I, I keep forgetting I'm actually working. I'm like, I, I don't even look at I'm just, I'm done. Six, yeah. It might as well be 6.05 a.m. because I am done working right now. Yeah, it just gets crazy. Mania season, it's wild. But we are not only joined by Floyd this week, we have our good buddy, J.R. Perez, the Lucha Professor himself. He is here. J.R. man, how you doing? I am good. I am also mentally checked out. I actually tapped out yesterday about four o'clock from work. I told my boss I'm done. I'm exhausted. Only two days into the work week. And I was like, can't do this anymore. I leave for L.A. tomorrow as well. I'm hopping on a public transport to get myself down to Southern California for the biggest week in wrestling. And one of my favorite weeks, because it doesn't matter what company you like. There's something for everybody there when it's WrestleMania week uh, is around. Yeah, the entire wrestling world like just descends on that air, wherever WrestleMania is. So and, and it's going to be a huge week. I do want to throw out that I was a guest on a podcast this week, One Nation Radio, where we did a WrestleMania preview. And I was very open about this. This is like the most stressful that I've ever been as far as a wrestling fan. Well, in a very long time. Uh, you know, uh, you know, as you get older and you start paying attention to all the things and the spoilers and everything like that, you forget to watch wrestling as a kid. This weekend, I will be watching wrestling as the 11-year-old version of myself, uh, hoping that the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes wins the title. And it's like, like literally, if someone offered me to tell me what was going to happen right now, I wouldn't want to know because that's how excited I am. It feels like almost like going to a Super Bowl. I'm so invested in the result of the match that it's just like I like everything rides on it. And like generally I am very detached, like, you know, like, you know, except for FTR or whatever. But in general, I'm very detached. I'm like, this person's going to win, whatever. And I move on about my business. 
I am not that way right now. I'm very invested in who wins. I am very invested in how the story is told. And yeah, so Sunday night around, uh, I think, at 8 or 9 o'clock uh, Pacific time, Floyd's going to either be crying tears of joy or crying tears of sadness. And yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I don't like this feeling. <laughs> I really don't. It's why I don't go to the Super Bowl. Because I always said I don't want to go to the Super Bowl, pay $5,000, get in there, and then the Chiefs get, like, thumped. I'm like, dude, I lost five grand, and and the Chiefs got thumped. It's like I spent two grand on WrestleMania tickets, and I go in there, and Cody loses. <sighs> There's going to be a, a deflation. There is going to be a depression. I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be very exciting. Um, I'm so pumped for y'all. I will not be in Los Angeles for WrestleMania weekend. I will be here, um, but I hope y'all have an amazing time. No, no California love for Austin. No California. Not yet. I'll be I'll be able to pop by California sooner or later, but just yeah. unfortunately yeah, just not right for me. The, no, I, I, I mean, uh, I've been open about this, and this is about the city, not about the show. I don't didn't want to go to L.A., like, at all. <laughs> I was... Uh, I was looking for any excuse not to go this year. Other, I literally, the plan is if you've heard this, uh, if you, uh, if you've heard my plan, is uh, it's there was directly to um, go in with Jr. We were gonna go to WrestleCon, go to Supercard of Honor, and we were both gonna come home and not re- watch WrestleMania. <laughs> I had no wasn't that the wasn't that the plan, Jr. I let me tell you this. I live about three hours away from LA, and I don't want to go to LA. Like, and it was and uh, well to add to what Floyd said, um, you know, when the unfortunate tragic passing of um, Jake Briscoe, Floyd and I said, well, you know, we want to go because of of you know for him for Jay. And the talent, we know that this was going to be like the first big show. So we're going to get up there Friday and probably and leave probably Sunday, go back home because it's just L.A. For those of you who've never been to L.A., it's everything so spread out. It's not easy to get around. Traffic is insane. And, you know, if you've been to WrestleMania week, that's not very good when you're trying to do when you want to do things, if, you know, when things are spread out and you there is no public transportation and you need vehicles and traffic, traffic jams all the time. So it's it's very hectic. And Floyd knows this from when we went to AEW Revolution. California is not exactly a cheap place. It's a very expensive state to be around in that, you know, you get nickel and dime for everything. And I actually just say you get Benjamin Franklin everywhere. So. It, you know, it's not a good thing. So yes, we did not want to. We did not want to go to WrestleMania. But certain things, certain nightmarish things, change plans, I guess. But regardless, uh, we're gonna get into the AEW talk though on this podcast. We're recording this immediately after AEW Dynamite, and more importantly, as well, immediately after AEW All Access debuted as well on uh, TBS. So we'll get into a little bit of that as well. Before we get into everything, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. You can listen to a spot of us on Spotify or wherever you choose to listen to us as I close my door because my cat just walked in. Ah, stretching. Got it. Cool. All right. 
apologies for that. But if you listen to us, wherever you choose to listen to this podcast, we appreciate you. And we would also appreciate a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. And you can follow us on social media at ATElitePod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. So the guys that make this show possible, please check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And also we have Lucha, like I said, the Lucha Professor. He is at Lucha Professor JR on Twitter, at Lucha Professor. So be sure to follow him. Um, now the news of the week. We had a lot that's happened recently. Um, first of all, the big thing that we have to mention is that Adam Cole Bebe, after being out for months, suffering multiple concussions, two concussions, in fact, in a three-week period, he is finally back wrestling at AEW. He had his first ever match, first match back since the injuries where he wrestled in the main event of this show against uh, the one and only Daniel Garcia. We will get into that match in its entirety uh, when we do our whole review. But also, Floyd, this isn't ri- written in the notes, but I wanted to comment on it too because I'm sure, I mean, it's what everyone else is talking about. So we got to get into it, I feel like. Um, we had some awful timing, I feel like, with our podcast last week. Like I said, we recorded it immediately after Dynamite. It aired like Thursday afternoon. And then that same day, like that podcast, we mentioned, you know, like, oh, CM Punk's face was covered up on the on the TV truck. That was so obvious. Oh, is he going to return? And then some shit happened on Instagram. As many people are already aware, uh, Punk was not happy about what Dave Meltzer posted on his message boards uh, and responded, uh, claiming uh, that he's a liar and also calling Chris Jericho a liar and a stooge, saying John Moxley refused to lose to him, which he had never experienced before, and also that AEW tried to get him to wrestle when he wasn't fully cleared to wrestle, which is in result of the three-minute match that happened on Dynamite that I was so upset about where Moxley unified the AEW world titles. Um, a lot has happened. John Moxley Apparently actually appeared. you're not the only one that thought that sucked. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, apparently not. I, like I said, there was a reason why I was as mad as I was about that. Um, and again, a lot is a lot more has happened too. Just recently on the sessions with Renee Paquette, great podcast. John Moxley appeared and uh, jumped right into Jump Street and talked vaguely about stuff. Moxley had mentioned about how he's never really had much to complain about with AEW, but he will say. Throughout his entire wrestling career, through the indies, through WWE developmental, through WWE itself, he's never experienced so much bullshit drama than in AEW. And he said, it's a shame. Um, He said when that whole time period was happening, when he came out of rehab, he wasn't even under contract. uh, So he could have showed up at SummerSlam with the AEW title if he chose to, like the AEW Interim Championship. Um, but But he did not. He said he was bending over backwards just trying to like do business with Punk in the first place because, again, he wasn't, quote-unquote, under contract because it was extended while he was in rehab. But then when he came back, uh, he didn't want to sign a contract because if he signs a contract, then all of a sudden he's got commitments, and then that's where he spiraled down the same hole that he was already in when he got into rehab in the first place. Um, so that was said. It's very clear now, at least in my eyes, uh, my 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 timidness about the idea of like Floyd made the comment of he's a hundred percent coming back. I couldn't say that in my heart of hearts, and this only amplifies my feeling that he will not come back 
because he's drawn his line in the sand. He's basically said, um, I want to be back in wrestling, so I'll either y'all bring me back or you let me go. You do one of the two things, I feel like. He's drawn the line in the sand because he's basically calling the shots himself and getting the word out the way he wants it to. These these people don't seem like they want to make up. These people don't seem like the wound, this, the wound is still fresh. I don't think this will ever get made up. This is still a black eye on the company that they have not fully healed from. And even though people like JR recently said on his podcast, Jim Ross, not RJR, Jim Ross said on his podcast that he believes CM Punk will be back. And he also made the comment saying that AEW needs CM Punk because of his star power. It's just, you know, we can't get through a week without CM Punk being the topic of everybody's uh, uh, mouth and everything that people want to say. Because, look... I know everyone hates him, understandably so. Again, I will say, understandably so. I'm not trying to be mad if you hate him. But for the people that say, like, you know, oh, no one cares about CM Punk anymore. No, people still do, because it's all people want to fucking talk about, apparently. Uh, But regardless of the fact, I still hate all this. It's just tiresome. First of all, if I can make a comment, please. As somebody who, who talks badly about social media, Punk, can you get off of Instagram? Please, I would love that very much. You don't need to be on Instagram because I like it very much when my CM Punk doesn't want to shoot on everybody and just fucking fire off on people. I'd like it if he can move away from that. We did that after WWE. We don't need to do this again. Like I, don't, I would like this not to happen. But I, I would like it if everybody didn't have to use social media because it's pointless. Uh, um, but... I guess, look, I babbled on enough about this. I kind of laid everything out, just the somewhat timeline that we've had with this entire fucking week with the Instagram developments with CM Punk versus the entirety of the wrestling world, it seems. Um, JR, I know we've had you on talk about this kind of stuff before, but like just from everything that you saw that's gone down this week, just like, just give me your thoughts. I'll try to keep it short and concise because I'm naturally long-winded, as everybody knows who listens when I'm on. The The first thing I will say this is to with CM Punk on his side, something I may have said this before when we when all this came out last year, but one of the things I learned in my profession is you can't tell somebody how to feel. So CM Punk in his feelings feels that he was done wrong and nothing's going to change that he has and as this whole thing there is CM Punk side there's everybody else's side and when I say everybody else that could be Moxley the elite and so on and so forth and then there's the truth and we will probably never know the truth because typically that just never happens I mean unless everybody gets into a room and say okay this is what really happened it's just there's sides and that's it so i i myself i i'm not upset with cm punk for the single fact is that he feels he's valid and as somebody's been in a position where i feel i've been done wrong in my place of employment and where other people don't see it from my side again you can't tell people how to feel you can't tell people how to feel that's their feeling so that's one thing going into with moxley when he did his the the podcast with uh, his wife, Renee, one thing she said, and I, I want people to understand this. 
um, two things can be true. So what I mean by that is he said that AW is the most drama-filled place he's worked in. That can be true. That doesn't mean it's a bad place to work in. I work in a university. I love my job. But I also deal with a lot of drama because because I work with students who have, unfortunately, a lot of drama. And so, but I do love my job. So two things can be true that are two different areas. It doesn't mean that AEW is a bad place to work. It doesn't mean that they have maybe bad leadership. It's just, it's it's how things are. Um, so I completely understand what John Moxley is saying in that. I think in the overarching situation is that management is going to eventually have to come out and say, this is what we're going to do moving forward in order for everything to officially die. Because in, in conclusion, I'll say this, as long as CM Punk is still under contract for AW, this is going to continue to be a thing. It may not be a weekly thing. It may not even be a monthly thing. But every so often, something's going to come up and be like, oh, shit, you know, here's some more stuff being stirred up. Yeah. All right. Going to the shit man himself, the man who loves rolling in the mud. Floyd, your thoughts on this all? My thoughts are the super weird thoughts. It's all a work. Oh, it's all a work. And it's a beautiful work. And I love it. We have very old school people that like you to think that they really hate people in real life. Because they help think drama brings uh, to the match. Four, five days before their all-access show debuts, CM Punk decides to post this on Instagram, stirring up the world. Hmm. Some of you may believe in coincidences. I do not. Um, I think this is all leading to setting up CM Punk versus Chris Jericho, CM Punk versus John Moxley. All these different rivalries he can have, they're not are based around the title, which is really good, and it'll bring uh, eyes to AEW. I know I'm a weirdo. Probably a person probably already pressed stop on this show because they're like, oh, yeah. But no, I just, I just, if you, to me, if you look at Punk and how he thinks, right, he's very old school. You, you get a little insight into, like, what he thinks a little bit by listening to Dax's show. Just like they just, you know, they love wrestling, right? And wrestling's better when you think the two people don't like each other. You know what I mean? I'm not saying they're they're come by. I'm not saying they love each other. I'm not saying they're sitting online playing Fortnite or whatever the hell people play together. I'm not saying all that. I'm saying these these are grown ass men that like money, and the ultimate their ultimate goal is the success of AEW. If AEW fails, that's on everyone, right? CM Punk is a name. He has crossed over in many ways because of his time in the UFC and different places and different movies he's been in. He's crossed over, right? The people understand his name. You talk to people that don't watch wrestling, you say CM Punk, they say, oh, the wrestler. That, that's good. That's good. That's what you want. That is... That is what you want. You want some recognizable name. Chris Jericho, CM Punk. Two most recognizable names in AEW. As far as worldwide. Because of Chris Jericho and the band. And how long he's been around. CM Punk because his name. You need Chris Jericho. You need CM Punk. You need those people to help get eyes on 
the four pillars. They help get eyes on, uh, help get eyes on the women's division and the younger people in it. And it's just what you need. And you're like, I know this is weird. And I don't have a problem with it being work. If everybody's like, oh, it, it makes no sense it being a work. It does make sense it being a work. Because when they wrestle, you're going to care. Like, oh, is it going to, Is it, are you going to care? Are they going to really hurt each other? Blah, blah, blah. It's the new work. It is the new work. You can't work people like you used to because everybody knows it's scripted. But you can work people in a new way. And I believe that's what this is uh, that's going on right now. I think it's 100% TM Punk is coming back. I have no inside information on that. This is just a gut feeling from someone that has watched wrestling the majority of his existence. And loves wrestling the majority of his existence. You can work it out. If you think about it in real sports, my favorite team is the Kansas City Chiefs. We have an all-pro defensive lineman named Chris Jones, right? Chris Jones literally cost us the game against Indianapolis Colts. He said something, did something, and he uh, got throughout the game. Next week, guess who was starting at the defensive tackle? Chris Jones, because he's a game changer. He's a man mover. He's a mistaker. He, he, he affects how the team performs. That is Chris CM Punk in wrestling. He, he affects the performance of AEW. He makes them more high profile. The numbers are higher when he's there. Ticket sales are higher when he's there. He matters. And as long as he affects numbers, he is valuable. So, And guess what? They're, I believe they're paying him no matter what. So if you're paying him this exorbitant income, no matter what, you might as well use him. And the last thing I'll say, too, like I said, because I will uh, mention again to what JR said, this will continue as long as CM Punk is under contract. If he's not under contract, then we're done. Then it's over. Then we can move on from this. Yeah. But he's did. still but he's still under contract. So with that being the case, this will not stop until we either see Punk back or he's released or fired or whatever the case is. Yeah, and the other say, thing I will say. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, last thing I'm going to say is the another reason I think he's coming in and coming back. Because the one man that can end all speculation hasn't it's done Khan. it. And he hasn't yeah. done it. You know? Tony Khan could end all the CM Punk talks. Hey, had talks, couldn't reach your agreement. He's not coming back. We're going to work on a buyout. He could just publicly announce that. And I'm wrong at that point, and we move on. But as long as he's not saying that, they're working on him coming back in my mind. Yeah, well, there, there's, there's that. And I will say, too, again, as somebody who I have said on this show, I do swing punk, but I love everybody involved. I love Chris Jericho. I love the elite. I love John Moxley. I love all these guys. Um, Austin. If, yes? Um, you forgot the most controversial part of this, this whole situation. Okay. And that is the fact that CM Punk a 40-plus-year-old man has never seen a Rocky movie. I wasn't going to mention it, dude, because, again, I wasn't going to mention it, dude, because here's the deal. Rocky is my favorite movie franchise of all time. Star Wars can suck it. Lord of the Rings can suck it. Star Trek can suck it. There is no movie franchise that is better than the Rocky series. You have Star Wars where people are screaming about multiple bad movies. I only have one, and it isn't even that bad. Rocky Five is fine. But Punk tweeted in 2010 how he'd never seen a Rocky movie. And he says it again 13 years later. I, there is no excuse. I have said many, I've said this to my friends and I've said this to my, fran, my the people that I care about. 
I would rather Punk live stream himself watching the entire Rocky franchise than come back to wrestling at this point. Just fucking do that for me and that I will be at peace because then my favorite wrestler will have seen my favorite movies and then I can be done with all of this. That's what I say about that. The Rock, uh, let me say this, Punk is a very, very charitable person. He gives a lot of his time to charity. You know, he, 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 he's a very charitable person. Do you know how much he could purge per seat to rent out an old movie theater and say, come watch Rocky with CM Punk? Yes, seriously. Do it for like, charity. Like, Absolutely. Hey, hey. It would be it would be such a good fucking move. It would yeah, be amazing. And, 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 like everybody comes and watches Rocky for the first time with CM Punk. I mean, for the love of God, dude, Hogan is in Rocky Three. Like a wrestler is in a movie that like you gotta watch it. Dude, it's just kind I, of common law. And I've made the argument many times that every Rocky is a pro wrestling storyline. I feel like Sylvester Stallone was a massive pro wrestling fan. Because it's sure. like, like everyone is like, oh, the guy that never made it, he gets a chance. Shit, you could say the first two Rockies are almost like Brian Danielson story. You know what I mean? Seriously, you, well, I mean it's I mean? the best. It's one of the best underdog stories told in cinema. Yeah, serious. Yeah, Rocky Three is uh, Rocky Three. I know it's based on uh, uh, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. But you could also say it was Brock Lesnar and John Cena. You know what I mean? It's like you could, you could say it was John Cena versus The Rock. Yeah, you could say that. You know, like Rocky Four. I mean, a big evil bad guy that beats up your friend. That's how many wrestling storylines is that? Well, you know dude, what, I mean? what like what the fuck was Rusev and Lana when they first got to WWE? Lana oh, was dude, literally that was Rocky that was Four. Rocky. I was. I don't know if Floyd was there. I don't know if you were there, Austin. We were there in Santa Clara for WrestleMania. 31 and that whole thing i'm like i mean everything i was like this is ivan drago versus john cena the only thing that john cena didn't come out with was the usa flag shorts yeah seriously or if he came out to living in america something <laughs> i will but, say i did a poll uh, to, to end my part of this because i know i started up the shit i did a fine. poll in the wrestling group out of a hundred votes uh, t- uh about 18 percent Never said they've never seen a Rocky film, so that's basically 18 people. Uh, about 20, I think it was 22 people said they've seen at least one, but over 60 people said they've seen every Rocky movie. Good, I mean, that that makes me happy at least. And then those 18 people need to get their shit together because, dude, since since Punk tweeted that in 2010 and since he posted on Instagram how he still had never seen a Rocky movie, three fucking Creed movies have come out, and they're all great. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Yeah. But the last, the very, very last thing I want to say, too, is somebody, like I said, I love everybody involved. But if what, like I said, there's Punk's side, there's everybody else's, like Moxley and Elite and all their sides, and then there's the truth. But if what Punk is saying is true about how he wasn't cleared, and they tried to get him to wrestle anyway. This dude literally came off of the fucking just biggest shit storm with WWE about doctors not getting cleared and wrestling while he had multiple injuries, and how he said in the Instagram post how he's never putting his health up, like on the line for a company like that. Like he, he will never put a company above his health. So if that alone is true, like that is damning i'm not saying it is because i don't know anything but regardless of the fact that's the one thing i will say that's the thing more than any of any of everything else that i said if that alone is true that's fucking bad 
my whole but I'm not thing, saying it is. My whole thing is this. I'm going to say these two words. It's wrestling. I mean, it's just not. I don't think it's a big deal, right? I just don't think where people wrestle where they're not quote unquote cleared all the time. And it's just like, hey, just come in. Basically take a move. Go down. Again, I will in. say, though, again, like I said, I will say it's different because of what Punk went through I those mean, seven plus I, years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, if I this was somebody else, like who was like, I'm not cleared. I don't want to wrestle, but they were kind of pushing them, and they'd never gone through something like that. Okay, it's like I said, people work hurt all the time. It's a thing. Yeah. Punk literally was gone through multiple lawsuits with the company over not being cleared and undiagnosed staff infections and all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I will still say this, and this has nothing to do with uh, whether he was cleared or not. The story, having him lose right before he wrestled, uh, wrestled it was again. dumb. I'm I'm not a I'm not a uh, I wasn't a fan of it then uh, with the results still not a fan of it but I did like I I mean I of course like CM Punk and the idea I love Rocky three but I think Rocky three should play out over six months well and also too no, what I'm happened like, oh, not no over here's the weeks. thing too I will mention too the thing that made that Rocky three fight so emotional and so good was because of the fact that Mickey died spoiler alert Mickey dies like is. It goes and has cardiac arrest before the fight. Rocky is all out of whack and can't focus on the fight. He goes back to the locker room and Mickey's dead. That's yeah. why that fight is so moving. That's why that fight means so much. And it's also because Rocky, like, he lit, went from rags to riches and, like, literally lost himself, lost the eye of the tiger. That's the whole fucking idea of that. It, and I know they tried to get that across, but again, there wasn't enough hardship. There yeah, wasn't enough. It wasn't long enough. It wasn't long enough. That to me, that is what it comes down to. Don't I'm like having man. one crazy man who bites who bites people scream about how you're Chicago born punk doesn't mean any doesn't make me like like I, I will say like I wasn't a huge fan of that that whole deal. I thought it was fucking rushed and I thought it was just kind of a mess. It is but what it is, but uh, it is what it is. Yes, we've yeah. we've spent too much time on this. I know. I just had to. I had to get it out of the way because i know it's been the one thing AEW related that everybody has been talking about because of course it is um but we had a really good dynamite that we should definitely be talking about too we did it was a really good dynamite it was a really good dynamite. so real quick let's get into it from st louis missouri we had AEW dynamite which was kicked off with the firm's matt hardy facing off against jungle boy jack perry which can we say too the the firm and like what's been changing a little bit at least regarding Private Party and uh, Matt Hardy and Ethan Page and that, that whole ordeal, they've been making noise on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Those guys have really been like doing a bunch of crazy shit. Like fucking Isaiah Cassidy's moan is over, which is weird, but I like it. I, I'm, I'm down with it. I, I love that people are getting into it. Um, also, Ethan Page doing the Jeff Hardy dance, hysterical. So fucking funny, but these guys in a in a in a like feud in a angle that I thought was just nobody gave a shit. They're actually doing something with it, and I got to give them props for that because I got to say I didn't think they were going to go anywhere with it, but they are making some good stuff out of it. I, um, I, I I remarked in the moment when I saw this match was first. I was like, "How to kill a lead in? Uh, how to kill your lead in one on one? Starting off with Jungle Boy and Matt Hardy." I thought. I, th I ended up liking the segment and thought it was good, but I was just like, 
It's not like I said. We've talked. We've talked. Yeah. This is not how you keep people tuning in. It's like yeah. No. Again, it's it's, it. We're we're so used to being spoiled with the opening matches with AEW Dynamites, but I still thought this was a good match. I like the idea. Ethan Page like fucking around and like like cheating and doing some shit to Jungle Boy while Matt Hardy isn't paying attention. I thought that was good. There was a point where like fucking uh, I think it was yeah Jungle Boy literally got tossed over the the barricade and he got fucking chucked. Um, but as this uh, fight goes down and Darby Allen is watching uh, and Sammy Guevara is watching from separate monitors, uh, at one point Hook comes out and he proceeds to start fighting with uh, uh, Ethan Page up the ramp. And as they're fighting, uh, Hook. Uh, I mean, Jack Perry is able to get the distracted uh, J- uh, Matt Hardy with a Tope Suicida flatliner and gets uh, a shot to the back of the head. And uh, Jungle Boy gets the win. And that's when we get MJF coming down the ramp. And this is where things really picked up for sure. The match I thought was good, solid. I thought, you know, it did what it needed to do. Um, but having met MJF come out and him and Jungle Boy could. A stellar promo and a stellar uh, segment together, and how MJF said, like, going into Double or Nothing 2020, um, you had the audacity to say that I had it easy. And he's like, You're right, dude. I get to obliterate everybody and just fucking go on my jet and go back to Long Island next week. But then it's like, You worked hard, um, but I don't recall these people like saying thank you to you. And also, after our match, I thought I met my equal. I thought I met somebody who I respected. But I shook your hand, and I told him to ditch all his friends if he wanted to be successful as me and not care about people and only focus on himself. And he said, we could have run this place. And don't think Hook will be any better than any of the other friends who have screwed you over in the past. And... These people have gotten you nowhere because I'm an AEW World Heavyweight Champion and you're still just Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy then proceeded to say how, you know what? At least if I, when I become AEW World Champion, I won't wake up alone every day and hate the person I see in the mirror. And MJF then proceeds to say, uh, you're a massive disappointment and said like, oh, and I saw your girlfriend back in the locker room. And you're not only just weak, but you're weak between the knees. And that's when Jack jumps on MJF. They start beating the shit out of each other, and, and Jungle Boy rolls out of the ring. And again, a great head-to-head promo between MJF and Jungle Boy. They did great. Um, and this was a good, solid opening, I will say. The match itself was fine, but this uh, segment with MJF and Jungle Boy was really good. Uh, JR, we go to you first. I, um, my, I'm going to focus past the match. The, the big thing about this is... And I alluded to this maybe a few uh, the last time I was on. We're at the point where AEW is about to have their I'm doing the math in my head, their four year anniversary, and this is the time that we talked about when you saw names like One MJF and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, the future of eight. Excuse me, I think I said WWF. I apologize. AEW. Um, these. This is what we want and see these young talent who are going to eventually carry that mantle and carry the torch into the next 
five to ten years be able to have main event matches and sell out arenas and draw ratings. And I am our from the very beginning have invested and seen the what I would call the main event development of Jungle Boy Jack Perry, but also the further development because you know, even as a main eventer that MJF is as the AW World Heavyweight Champion, it's his first run. And as it, you're still developing that, and I think that's a safe thing to say. It didn't matter if it was, you know, from talent like Austin to uh, talent like, you know, Kenny Omega when they had a chance with to have the main title in whatever organization they were in. And so to see this, it's very important for the company because they were in this um, situation, as we mentioned, like what Jim Ross said. You know, we need a guy like CM Punk. It's like, well, you need him because he's a main eventer, but you can also develop other talent to become main eventers where you don't have to rely on some of the older talent who eventually are not going to be here and that someone you're going to rely on to be here consistently week in and week out. So um, I'm, I think they're this route they're going down is perfect. And I'm invested to see what they do. And everything they're doing is like, I don't want, I'll use tease for lack of a better word, but because some of us are thinking they're going to do a fatal four way at Dynam at double or nothing, but it could be anything at this point, it, you know, from all these four individuals involved. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they are, this is, this is a monumental period of time for AEW. Uh, they're, they're about to try to build three superstars, three wrestlers up to the level of MJF to then try to sell a pay-per-view with them on top. Now, I'm not talking about any, any other matches or anything else. They're going to try to sell a pay-per-view with them on top. And this will be the first time, not MJF. MJF has been the main event. But the other three, really, as far as as individuals, I mean, Sammy's main event at, <clears throat> with the Jericho Appreciation Society and with... Uh, the, uh, what was the group called before? Inner Circle, yeah. He's uh, main evented with them, but, you know, Jungle Boy and Darby really haven't been in the main event. So, I if, if the Fatal 4-Way is where we're going, we're doing, we have to show that these guys are main eventers, that these guys are the guys. And it's perfect right now, because tonight, I think Jungle Boy, as far as on the mic, as far as a character, as far as someone that uh, people take uh, care about took a step forward. I felt like it was a big step forward because he's on the mic with MJF. MJF's doing his thing. He got full MJF. MJF was not holding back. And Jungle Boy hung. I'm not saying he made MJF look like foolish, but he didn't come off like just ill-prepared, uh, you know, out of his depth at this point. It looked like, oh, okay, he looks good standing there next to MJF, so... Jungle Boy's taller than I thought because he was taller than MJF. And I was like, huh, didn't think he was. But it was like some of the size stuff that I had a problem with was kind of put to rest today. Um, I mean, he definitely could be thicker to me. He could be about 15 to 20 pounds heavier in my opinion. But that's just how I like my wrestling. For the most part, I think he came out looking like someone on the level of MJF tonight. And uh, that is respect to Jungle Boy and respect to MJF. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. 
Well, we'll move off from that. Uh, Don Callis and Kenny Omega were backstage, and he said, look, I'm going to apologize to Hangman for last week. He's like, I grabbed my, I grabbed his arm, I slipped and fell, you know, and you, isn't it weird how you thought all of a sudden your friend, your so-called friend, hurt me? That, that was what you jumped to. Like, that's the first conclusion you made. So he tried to turn it back, the snake that he is. Um, we then had footage of uh, Matt Menard and, and Angelo Parker uh, and Jake Hager of the JAS showing the acclaimed and daddy ass a night in St. Louis and basically like trying to like take them out, uh, wine and dine them and try to get them to join the JAS. And the acclaimed said, you know what, we'll give our answer next week. Um, it was a decent and like funny enough video, I guess. Um, and then... We saw more Blackpool Combat Club murder because Delton Castle and the boys got jumped. And the BCC came out and they jumped Delton Castle and the boys. Claudio was beating the hell out of one of them in the ring as uh, Yuta and Moxley took control of Dalton and the other boy outside. And then as that went down, uh, BCC got the very much uh, easy win. And then they walked out and... Hangman was being interviewed backstage, but then led to the BCC showing up as Hangman accidentally called them the BBC. Careful there. And they jumped Hangman Page, and he was convinced that the BCC jumped him uh, the last week, and they jumped him this time. And Don Callis comes up. Uh, Moxley takes off his sunglasses and gives him a slick shot to the face, which busts this man open like crazy, and while that's happening, uh, our good boy Claudio gives us another incredible, gifable uh, AEW moment with him throwing on the glasses and smiling with his mouth guard in. Um, so fucking good. This BCC is vicious. So uh, just going through real quick, uh, is there anything y'all wanted to comment on from this giant list of quick shit that happened before we get to the next match? No, uh, the, the only thing I want to say is this is the... I, I felt like... And I've commented to uh, both JR and um, Austin at different times that AEW needed a big storyline. And I f they found it. I mean, this is it. It feels big. This whole BCC thing feels uh, big. It feels like it's the next thing people are going to get behind. People are going to pick sides. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. And, yeah, but I yeah. still don't think they're the ones that attack the Young Bucks. I don't. I, I, I don't think they're the ones that attack Just the, the fact that Hangman was convinced that it was them, but, like, you know, it was never really fully confirmed, and they didn't say whether or not they did it or not. I just feel like, yeah, there's a lot of shit that they are not saying. Yeah, I think there's a bald guy and a guy with hair that it might have been. Just throwing it out there. Okay. Um, well, unless JR has anything he wants to add from this, like, quick little, like, like lightning round of shit that happened on Dynamite. We can um, oh, I was going to say, it just seems like uh, Hangman just needs to watch his acronyms. He seems to be a big fan of the British Broadcast Company, so just... Or, a or, 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 let's, let's not, let's not be, let's not be just one-sided on this, too. He could be a fan of a certain category on Pornhub, too, that we're not aware of. <laughs> Sir... I am an innocent angel. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, okay, okay, okay. The other thing I would say, um, based on that beatdown, there's a rumor that Don Callis was legitimately busted open the hard way. I, I think he, I can't remember if they said it wasn't when he got hit by Moxley. They said uh, I, he was on the way down, 
he may have accidentally hit something that causes him to be busted right. open. Yeah, the, the, I, PW Insider, I know, reported that. Um, some people are saying that it was just a really good blade job. I'm not going to comment on what it was. All I know is seeing Don Callis that bloody freaked me out for a second because I was just like, holy shit, Moxley's not the one bleeding. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's it was weird. Moxley went all night and didn't bleed. It was crazy. Yeah, so there you go. You, can, you don't have to reset the counter. Um but we move on now to the IWGP United States Heavyweight title match between Kenny Omega and Jeff Cobb. Now, um, Omega backstage was informed about Callis being jumped, and he was very much like trying to stay focused as after Tony Schiavone told him that. But, 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 but. The big thing that we had was the fact that this was the return of Devil Sky. Kenny Omega's New Japan theme, it w- fucking made its return. I was completely caught off guard. I was waiting for uh, the end now and the fucking build up music. We didn't get it. And I was like, huh? And then I heard the fucking screeching violins. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. It's Devil Sky. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Um, I do like the fact that it's a New Japan match. This was a yes. Yeah, so he has his New Japan, Japan theme. theme. Yes, I thought that was just a nice, nice nerdy touch for us all. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. I would have thought it would have been even more perfect if they actually had a New Japan referee. I know that's very difficult to be able to pull off, and I I completely understand why they didn't. Um, but it would have been an even like it would have completed that whole idea of this being a New Japan sanctioned match. Yeah, you know what I mean? Fly Kevin, you fly Kevin Kelly in, and he calls the match. Come on, let's go. Let's just go all the way. Like you know, fucking, let's do I, let's do this I, shit. I, I, I love me some Kevin Kelly. So and like and like I don't know I don't know who's the best in the game because everybody has different opinions on what who the best. But I I don't think there's anybody better than Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly is a lovely, lovely lad. Um, but this match between Jeff Cobb and Kenny Omega was fucking good. It was really, really good. Cobb uh, being hitting a, a V-trigger on his own on Kenny Omega. His size and throwing a fucking knee like that into Kenny, sending him in the ropes was vicious. Um, I love the idea of them using the size, like as Kenny tried to power, bomb, power slam him multiple times, tried to go for the one-winged angel. Also love how Cobb tried to go for the same thing. Um, these guys traded shots, traded some great moves. Um, but Kenny Omega was able to get uh, out of the tour of the islands at one point, get a V-trigger, and then lift up Cobb for the one-winged angel. Uh, it was a stellar, stellar match. Very, very good. And it was capped off immediately with the Blackpool Combat Club still not leaving and showing up surrounding Kenny Omega and as they are preparing to get into the ring, you hear Brian Danielson's theme. And the best part is, too, because they started it before the actual uh, of the Flight of the Valkyries, nobody knew what the fuck the theme was. Like, come on, y'all. Like, how do y'all... Like, I knew it was immediately Brian Danielson, and the crowd was, like, kind of like, who is this again? And the Titan Tron wasn't on either, so they were just like, who is this again? And then they were like, oh, yeah, Brian Danielson! And then the pop went fucking crazy, which I thought was just kind of funny. Um... But as Brian Danielson gets into the ring, he's yelling at the other members of BCC. We were talking about how, you know, this could be leading to like Brian seeing what happened to the BCC and being like a just kind of a break, like almost like a bullet club is fine sort of situation where just like the sides kind of split almost. 
Um, but as uh, Danielson helps Omega to his feet, and all of a sudden Kenny Omega runs to try to take down some of the members of the BCC on the apron, Danielson's warming himself up and fucking boosts Psycho Knee to Kenny Omega. The BCC comes in, beats the living shit out of Omega, and the BCC is fully formed, um, minus Regal, but he's there in spirit. Um, but they are vicious now as the whole BCC is here, and they are going to wreak havoc on just whoever the fuck they want at this point. But them going after Kenny and Hangman, um, yeah, this is going to be fucking... Because if, if this is going to be building to Young Bucks and Kenny and fucking hangman facing off against the blackpool combat club that is going to be unreal so this was really fucking good this is probably honestly best part of uh the entire show it really was i'm gonna jump in here because i mean it, it it's not telling you it's not just oh this was an awesome thing it's saying you're about to get so much more awesome over the next month or two you know, you're going to get probably Kenny Omega against members of the Blackpool Combat Club. You're going to get tag matches. You're going to get all the different iterations of this. It's not the feud I wanted, right? It's not who I wanted the elite to be feuding with, as I've been very open about. But come on. You got, I mean, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Claudio Castanelli, Will Yuta against the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and the Hangman Page. It's like this is this is awesome. This is this is the feud of the year if done correctly. And it won't be close. I am so excited about what's going on and what they have in, in store for this group and it looks like there's little uh twinges of there might be somebody else uh you know in this feud even like oh you know the stuff that's being left out but good lord this is uh, very exciting. Uh, I don't know who didn't know Brian Danielson was about to attack Kenny Omega. I thought that was, I thought that was, there was no uh, foreshadowing there. It was like he's clearly coming out to attack Kenny Omega. And as you may have heard on this show last, uh, last week, I said when Brian Danielson was talking about going home, he was talking about going home to the Blackpool Combat Club. I remember saying that. I remember I'm saying that because I was right. And if I wasn't right, I wouldn't have brought it up again. JR? So the first thing I'll make mention, um, Kenny Omega has, has had three matches in the last three weeks on Dynamite. Uh, a, the trios uh, match with Jericho Appreciation Society, House of Black, and the Elite in uh, Winnipeg. And then last week with Vikino. And then this week with Jeff Cobb. And I just want to say, it's really good to see him. I'm not going to pretend I'm like I'm this massive Kenny Omega fan, but one of the things I remember him saying when he was gone, you know, with his injuries is that he didn't know if he was going to come back. And so it's, you know, it's good to see him being able to make that comeback after uh, being away for so long and that he's able to, you know, do what he has been doing uh, against some remarkable talent. You know, I, I love what Vikino could do. And I, and I'm a big fan of Jeff Cobb. I think he's a tremendous athlete. Um, going into what, you know, kind of pig big off Floyd said is that this is exactly what, especially for me, where I kind of felt like, I guess my faith in AEW was a little bit rattled after everything that happened. 
I feel that this is making the elite strong, like probably as, as strong as they've ever been in AEW, bringing them back together and then taking Blackpool Combat Club. And I'm going to be honest, for me, I've never really been a big Moxley fan. I, you know, I just, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, just nothing particular. Just, I just wasn't like always enthusiastic to see him. And I really was kind of, I was, didn't care for Wheeler Yuta. What they've been doing um, with the Blackpool Combat Club in the last few weeks is actually is is making me care about these two guys that that I never cared before. I always like Claudio, especially you know going back to when he was a, a partner with Sheamus. I love what he can do in the ring um, and our, their whole presentation. I actually was telling Floyd, I think it was last week when they came out. I can't remember if it was Wednesday, um, what day it was. They had these simple hoodies that just said black, you know, I think it said Blackpool Wrestler or something like that. And I told Floyd, I want that hoodie. But, you know, especially for me, I was a former amateur wrestler. Like, they just have this presence, like, we're a team, we're a fight team, we're going to get out here and we're going to beat the shit out of everybody that's around us and we're going to, you know, and take no prisoners, no mercy. And now, bringing back Brian Danielson, which I will say, I was telling Floyd, I was trying to find every reason for it not to be Brian Danielson because Brian Danielson is to me such a baby face, but he's a killer heel. You know, some of the best work he did in AEW was when he, when they turned him heel for his feud with Hangman uh, at towards the end of 2021 going into 2022. So this is tremendous. I mean, it continues to build a prominence for, for Willie Yuta. It makes everybody involved seem like, massive main eventers i don't know what their end game is or their end goal but i'll be honest everybody that i've seen on social media was like we're gonna get this blood and guts right like we're gonna do this and remember we were supposed to get the elite versus the inner circle in the first ever blood and guts in newark in march of 2020 i think or april 2020 and then until the unfortunate pandemic hit, and we never got the elite in it. Now we have a chance to get the elite in the blood and guts two, you know, two rings, one cage match against an another group that I think is at their level that could be a massive show wherever it's at. Yeah, no, uh, it's gonna be. Huge to see how this play out, and yeah, if they go with the blood and guts route, that will be absolutely fucking nuts. How about Detroit? Um, how about Detroit? Would you would you be interested in seeing that in Detroit? Another blood and guts Detroit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm down for another I, blood I, and guts Detroit. I just wonder if that's gonna be like that's Detroit around that time every year is gonna be blood and guts, and that would be. Hey, man, I'm I'm not I'm not against it. Honestly, I'm not against it. Um I mean, like, dude, I I already get AEW coming back to Detroit, and I got fucking SummerSlam for the first time in fucking forever, dude. That's just, like, yes, 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 yes. John Keep Cena giving Detroit Cody Rhodes SummerSlam. Let's go, bro. If that happens, my my friend Jared is gonna fucking fly here so fast. If that is the case, um, but there was a quick backstage segment where the AW world tag champs, uh, the guns were running down FTR saying they no longer respect him. And I do, they did have the great line of like for once, uh, after next week, your little catchphrase is actually going to be, uh, apropos by being like top guys out. Love that little bit. Um, we had, 
dude. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of this, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, FTR. So, sweet baby Jesus and me had a conversation. And I was like, man, uh, they announced that this match was going to happen, and I immediately started looking at the calendar. It was like the next week was going to be in Kansas City. Okay, you know what? You know what? I am loved and blessed, but I am not that loved and blessed. Okay, we're not going to get Kansas City. But hey, hey, let's do St. Louis. And I'm like, yeah, it would suck because I'm moving, going to L.A. the next day, but I can move some flights around and I can deck it, right? And mm-hmm. I was like, Long Island. And I, I, I ran numbers and all that stuff. I was like, dude, I'm just going to be getting back to Oklahoma on that Monday. People have been covering for me. That's the one day I can't do. I looked at the 12th in Milwaukee. I was like, I can do that. Looked at the 19th in Pittsburgh. I could do that. I'm like, I'm saying these cities like clockwork because I've done the research. Like hotel, airfare, ready to buy it as soon as they announced where it was. As long as it wasn't in Long Island, I could make it work. As long Mm -hmm. as it wasn't in Long Island. Oh, and it happens just to be exactly there. Yes. Tuesday morning, I wake up to not one, not two, not three, but four messages from my lovely friends. I'm like, either someone has something really, really good has happened or something really, really bad has happened. <laughs> because, you know, I don't wake up to like four DMs and I found out something really, really bad. And though, you know, come on, and want to understand this is relative terms. This is like first world, my life's pretty fucking good problems. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it's not a real problem. And I realized. I could not. I can't go. And I'm like, I'm like, Jr. had to chat with me, and then, and then I had to talk to Jackie. And I, you know what? I found comfort in the fact that Jackie is going to be there because she, she wasn't official. She wasn't. She was like, I don't know, blah blah blah. They announced, and she's like, I'm going. And I found comfort in that. One of us is going to be there. It is. It is. When it comes to FTR, it's me, Jackie, and Jr. It is. That is the three. Uh, that is the, the three FT the people that I'm closest to in the FTR fandom. So as long as one of the three is there, I could find comfort in that. But understand, it is it is one of the it, this is like some real stuff that's hitting me that you just can't do everything. Like I found out also this week that I can't go to Forbidden Door. Why can't I go to Forbidden Door? First of all, it's kind of hard. But second of all, I found out that uh passports even if you play for the rush are four months behind guess what that mm-hmm. means i don't you ain't making it, it yeah i only get it to july and august so it's like it's not that i don't i can't like oh i can't no it's like i can't go they don't let you in a country without a passport i can't go i will be watching it from home but it is it is putting the fire under my ass to actually go ahead and finally get my passport because I've put it off long enough, but, um, yeah. So finding those two things out, like literally back to back days, you know, as a person that travels and goes to as much stuff I can go. Yeah. That was kind of, it was a disappointing Tuesday, but FTR is about to take the guns to a level that they have never been on before. And it's going to be a banger match, but I will be watching it from home. And then me and Austin will be talking about it after the show. Unfortunately. Well, we, yeah. we def- no, the, us talking about a show is fortunate, but the fact that I'm not there is unfortunate. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
We then had the AW International title match between Orange Cassidy and The Butcher. Um, and this match was fine. I think out of all of the... Because Orange Cassidy's been outstanding with the international title. Um, I gotta say, as the guy who is supposed to be the slacker, he's had like the most title defenses and has been the workhorse with that belt like crazy. I think that's really ironic and funny. Uh, but this match was alright. Honestly, it was just kind of there. Um... Of course, Orange Cassidy was able to retain um, after it looked like, you know, the blade got hit and took out a uh, uh, crowbar while the referee was distracted and hit Orange Cassidy in the back of the head with it. He still kicked out. Best friends then came out and took out the blade and then beach break on uh, Butcher. Orange Cassidy retains the belt. It's good to see best friends. Um, and yeah, that was kind of, you know, the the long and short of that one. Yes, this match happened. It absolutely happened. That's my yeah. comment. But Orange Cassidy has still been outstanding with the international he title. Has, I will say. And, and I love Big I love Big Butcher and I wish him and the Blade got more like shots in the tag team were a little bit more pushed. But you know what? Everybody can't be pushed. It's unfortunately the uh unfortunate side of professional wrestling that everybody can't be pushed. So it was nice that Big Butch got a moment with uh, OC and tonight. It was an entertaining match. Uh, I love the crowbar. I loved how they incorporated the blade. I love all that. It's just, yeah, I wish, uh, yeah, I got, like I said, maybe a different opponent. I don't know, but happy for orange OC is what they've done really well in AEW is the first champion of any belt that they've had has really established the title. Now, of course the trios, that was an exception. It, the first champion, you know, but that second champion of Pac uh, in the Lucha Bros, the Death Triangle, really established that title. So, is they. Oh, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. Pac, Pac was the first ever uh, All Atlantic champion. So Was he? I, I feel like Orange Cassidy is the one really establishing the title. He was. That's the thing. It's the same situation, I will say, because Pac. Yeah, yeah. He when he first won it, it, yeah. was it was great. It was a great moment. Um, but it's really been Orange Cassidy who's been fucking flying that title around and doing a bunch of great shit. Yeah, yeah. So. No, so just had to correct you on that matter, though. But yes, you move, are correct. Move it. You are correct. Yes. All right, moving from that, we had Ruby Soho face off against Willow Nightingale, former tag team partners going at each other. Um, they did love, I did enjoy um, the point before going into break where Ruby Soho's got uh, Willow against the ropes and she just stares in the camera like, look, this is my friend. She's best friends. I just thought that was really funny. Um, and this was a solid match. I think Willow did a nice job. Uh, Ruby played the heel role pretty well. Um, but regardless of the fact, though, referee uh, was distracted and Tony Storm interfered and helped Ruby have an illegal leverage to pin, pin Will Nightingale uh, to get the win. They were going to spray paint. Uh, well, actually, no, they were going to take a chair, actually, and break Willow's leg. Rio and Sky Blue come out. Unfortunately, we don't have the lead pipe for a second week in a row. But you know what? When Rio runs and you hear that music, you better fucking run. Um, they had Rio and Sky Blue, however, outnumbered. But then Jamie Hayter comes down, finishes off the chase. And then there's a little moment where Rio goes like, hey, I'm still coming after that title. And Jamie's like, I'll be ready. And yeah, I thought this was a pretty solid, uh, like semi-main. Um, I thought Willow did a nice job. Ruby, I love her. I still kind of like, you know, 
she does well as a heel, and especially like against Willow, like at least because there was a little bit of history between the two. Um, it was a nice little instance to see her really try to get into the heel role, um, and I think she did a solid job. The more they come out, the more they come dressed alike. I'm really feeling the coolness factor of their group. Oh yeah, is, I really feel like tonight was like peak coolness for the outcast and now they got their I mean it definitely helps that they're all incredibly good looking too. So yeah, I mean they all they all got the shirt. Now see and that was the whole thing. It was the whole thing. It just for a point it just seemed like three randos thrown together, right? But now yeah, they're no question. alike and they kind of got this uh, like presence and when they walking down the ring, they look like a gang of girls that'll fuck you up now. And yes. that's what I'm like. I'm like I'm looking at the you know, I'm looking at it from the wrestling side. Are they attractive? Come on. Yes. Absolutely. But it's just like now they look like a threatening group of people that could really beat you up. And oh yeah, I thought that was kind of missing for the first few weeks, and I really felt it tonight in St. Louis. Yeah, there you go. All right, and now we move on to uh, the main event, Adam Cole's return against Daniel Garcia. Um, they were really focusing in on Adam's head, you know, like, Multiple pile drivers, I will say, which was a scary, scary thing for sure. But it was really good with Daniel Garcia getting the heel work out there and doing some good stuff there. However, still, Adam Cole was able to fight and uh, get the Panama Sunrise and then lower the boom, hit the running knee, pinning Daniel Garcia. And then you had Britt Baker come down celebrating. Um, They kiss and then confetti goes flying and it's a beautiful moment. But then you hear Judas start to play as Chris Jericho comes down to help Daniel Garcia to the back and he would not look Adam Cole in the eye. And that is how they closed off AEW Dynamite. It was a good main event. It was just a feel-good moment, too, just to see Adam back. And that was the thing, because honestly, like, there's nothing that I feel like anybody can say that's bad about Adam Cole. He's just so just genuinely good and in all aspects. So to see him back is just a good feeling, and we're going to get to see now the continuation like with Tr- Chris Jericho getting involved. I think Adam Cole and Chris Jericho would be a really fucking good feud, so I'm all down to see that. Um, and I'm just happy he's back, honestly. It was a sad thing when he got injured and he got the concussions. Um, I'm just happy that he's back, because I know he talked about the trials and tribulations to get back to the ring. Um, it's just good to see, honestly. I, I feel happy about the dude. And Daniel Garcia did a good job of really healing it up in this match. Um, but this was a solid end to Dynamite, I will say. It was. It was one of those moments where I liked... I was like, they, when the match ended and there was like four minutes left, I'm like, are they literally just going to do this Adam Cole celebration for minutes? I know I'm not. A, I'm a cold-hearted person, but I kind of wanted him to get beat up. But, uh... Now, uh, Jericho coming out, teasing the feud. That's obviously going to be his next feud. I wonder if it's going to have anything to do with uh, the Owen, because that's supposed to be yearly, and it should be coming up within the next few weeks to a month. So I don't know if that's going to have anything to do with it or if they're just building the Chris Jericho's feud with uh, 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 Chris Jericho's feud with uh, Adam Cole. And it's so funny to me, because like, Chris Jericho is going to go to a feud with Adam Cole, and it's going to be a big feud, but it's like... Didn't he just lose a feud? Shouldn't he win a feud before he goes into the next feud? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, JR, you got anything you would like to say? It, it's good seeing Adam Cole back. I could tell you um, 
as somebody, I, I've had a few concussions in my life, and they're not fun. And uh, um, you know, unfortunately, fortunately for me, I didn't, ha- I wasn't an athlete. It just, you know, at the caliber of Adam Cole. So when you make your living off um, being an athlete, you know, and things don't go your way because of concussions, and you know, um, and we've seen that um, in the last, I'm trying to think, the last 15 years, all the studies that come out, the seriousness and how their potential career enders, and we think of talent like Bret Hart that whose career was in, you know, because of concussions, it's, it's devastating to, you know, and I'm glad that he was able to make a recovery from it. Um, you know, and if anybody ever wants to know vampires exist, all you have to do is tune on, tune on AW and see Chris Jericho, who just tries to suck the life out of great talent. And now he has his fangs trying to hook into Adam Cole and help Adam Cole beats the living death out of him. Yeah. All right, and that closed off AEW Dynamite in St. Louis. Um, real quickly, because like I said, today was also the pre- premiere of AEW All Access. Um, we're not going to go point by point in the show. Just want to get everyone's thoughts on the debut of AEW All Access. Or did you even watch? Did so, you, like- I did watch, and I will say probably I watched it for the show just so I'd have a comment on it. But it was like the longest hour of my life. I for all these people that love these shows, enjoy it. It's gonna it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be whatever you want it to be. But I I mean I like magic, right? And you know I like magic. And I, Andy compares wrestling to magic all the time, right? And uh, uh, Andy Nimity uh, on uh, Twitter, but uh, he compares wrestling to magic all the time. And to me, it would be like going to a magic show and be like, "Oh my god, I'm amazed." Oh my God, I can't believe how they do that. And they'd be like, okay, hey, stay for an extra hour and we're going to show you how we did every trick. Eh, I don't, what? <laughs> All my amazement's gone. No. What? Why would I do that? So, yes, while I love this show, it's just like, I, my friends say wrestling, my friends that are, you know, I'm a 40 year old man. So other 40 year old people like wrestling's fake. And I'm, of course, I, I mean, I know wrestling is scripted. I don't like using the F word, but they say that, right? This show lets you just like, boom, right in your face. It's like this person's like, look, look, they're friends, right? Look at them. They're about to feud, but they're best friends out and back. No, I I don't want to see this. It's not going to be my thing. I would love, I I would love Austin to keep watching it and filling people in. But uh, yeah, I have my limits. And if I didn't watch a show about literally one of my favorite humans, Cody, and his family, which I didn't, I think I may have watched two episodes, what do you think the chances are of me sticking on this one? There you go. All right. <laughs> JR, did you have any thoughts about uh, All Access? Um, I had a few. One of the things that Floyd said, this is just in general because people. I don't think people realize this. Um, and I was thinking about this today because of something I wrote Um you know, probably before you were born, Austin, because Floyd's obviously older than us, and I'm, um, and I know I'm older than you. I like to go back and watch older wrestling, and if you look at a crowd of wrestling from the '80s and '90s, you see a very, you see an, a very older crowd, and I, for me, when you have that mystique, and the as Floyd used the term magic, I think it encapsulated and really kind of brought people, brought 
everybody from all ages into wrestling. When you peel back that curtain as much as we've done in the last 20 plus years, that's where you get the situation where like, well, you know, wrestling's fake, right? You know, wrestling. I like literally had this conversation. Like somebody told me the other day, what were you going? You're going to LA for what wrestling, you know, it's fake. Right. And I just was like, kind of want to fucking hit you right now. But you know, it's, that's just where we've come to because we've continued to allow this. And I think that magic needs to be restored. The second thing is, and if you ask a lot of people about reality television, they'll tell you reality t- television is almost as scripted as a scripted television show. So you don't know what's real, what's not, you know, as far as like actual reality. Then you start thinking like, well, are things being done on show for a certain, like for storyline purposes? Um, if, you know, a wrestler says something about somebody other talent, and so the kind of that in itself, and then I think it also sometimes creates some ne- like a negative uh, environment or negative, um, I can't think of the word, circumstances. One of the things that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, because I was on Twitter, as I was watching the beginning, was just the way that Britt Baker, Tony Storm, and... Oh, talking about uh, Thunder Rosa. Rosa. And, you know, saying, well, she said she's injured, but she can do this and that. Well, it's like, well, okay, but you don't know what, first of all, you don't know how significant her injury is, or you don't know what she can or can't do. And especially, we just talked about Adam Cole's injury. We talked about CM Punk's injury on the show. So it's like, you know, you're, yeah, you want to soldier on because you're injured. That's fine. But you, but you also have to look at it from this other person's perspective and situation. I just think it didn't set a good look because number one, if it if it is if it is staged, well, this has been going on for a while, like going back to like before all out, where this you've been hearing about this negativity behind the scenes. And you're so it's making people take sides and say, Well, fuck this girl, she's a bitch, or this one is a is a wimp, right? And then if it is, that's if it's staged. So you gave him this negative look. If it is real, now you're looking, now it's also bad because it's like, and I'm just going to say this. You have a group of four white women who's essentially talking shit about a, a, a Mexican, a Mexican uh, minority woman. It, it's a bad look. So I don't agree. I just, I think it creates a lot of negative uh, in that particular part creates a lot of negativity that is unnecessary, especially when your whole show since August has had a lot of negativity about it. So I just, it's not something that I think they should be doing. It's one thing if you want to say, Hey, come on, come with us on the road, you know, see how we train and all that. That's one thing. But at the end of the day, as I say all this, we love negativity. What's one of the highest rated televisions in that coveted demographic Royal housewives. We as Americans, we love some negative drama bullshit. Yeah. What I will say is, um, yeah, I I will say one thing. I'm glad that there's not a shitty uh, Dana White produced show that's going on immediately after Dynamite that we don't have to quickly change the channel for. I will say that. Uh, that's that. I will say that. Um, I thought it was all right, honestly. You know, I was, of course, uncomfortable with me being a CM Punk fan because of them, like, 
hinting at it a little bit early on in the show. Um, but we'll see how this goes. You know, the last AEW reality show, you know, didn't really get too far with the Cody and Brandy shit. Um, we'll see if this one has any it more juice to it. It technically got renewed for a second season. They just left. <laughs> yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. But, like, I'm talking about just, like, people's interest. That's all I'm talking about. Um, but I, I will we'll say uh, real quickly. So, uh, gross to the top. I don't, I couldn't find the overall, but I think they were doing around 300,000. I think. Uh, from what I quickly saw the season finale, Power Slap, your uh, your favorite show, Austin, was doing between two twenty to three hundred thousand. So it will be interesting how meant how much of the carryover is. I I do know that this show was already there was a sneak preview over the weekend, so I don't expect the ratings to be that high. Um, one of the things that Floyd will tell you, me naturally after shows. I just leave the TV on unless I know I'm going to watch something else. Like, even when we watch Raw, Floyd would be like, are you watching Chris Lee Knows Best? I'm like, ah, shit, I just left it on for 20 minutes. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, but, yeah, so, like I said, I'm, I'm interested at least to see what type of shit they're going to show. We'll see exactly what the thing is. I know they they hinted on possibly showing, you know, fallout between Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara's fight that was heavily publicized um so we'll see exactly what route they decide to go with the show i will at least pay attention a little bit um but i'm not sure if i'll be able to go through like i said i was i forgot that it was an hour-long show and you could feel that it was an hour-long show because honestly kind of was just like man all right cool all right we're we're in we're in the soup now um but regardless uh that's all of aw from tonight uh, for Rampage on Friday, we're going to have Juice Robinson versus Action Andretti, Taya Valkyrie versus Marina Shafir. Uh, the Kings of the Black Throne will be going uh, in tag team action against uh, the best friends. And Sammy Guevara is going to face uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, which I that that alone is going to sell Rampage for me because that match I think could be fucking sick if given a little bit of time. So I will say that. Yeah, looking forward so. to that show. Uh, unfortunately, me and JR will be. At Supercard of Honor, because it's going up against each other. Yes, uh, we'll be it at is. Supercard of Honor. So we won't probably watch the show until we get back. But it, I am. it's definitely just for but, Sammy versus yeah. Takeshita. Uh, and honestly, if I was going to say I had a tag team in AEW that I root for other than FTR, it would be Kings of the Black Throne. I just, just the... Just Brody and Malachi just look like a group that, you know, I think could be Absolutely. a formidable tag team. They could put on some great matches with other people. So I am really excited about seeing them wrestle in that match also. Yes, but like what Floyd said, though, Spring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, WrestleMania weekend, huge card. we got a lot of things to look forward to. Um, we're going to real quickly preview the show and kind of give some predictions, I would like to th- say. Um, first up on um, what we got is we got the embassy. We got Brian Cage and, and Gates of Agony teaming up to face AR Fox, Blake Christian. Uh, and you have AR Fox listed on here twice, bro. I what do. the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Grand Metalik or Metalik. I think he's just Metalik. Yes. Yeah, it's the I think he's hodge- just Metalik. Yeah, I th- I th- it's the most hodgepodge group of people ever. So that's why I got confused. I was like, because it's like, even when you watch the show, you're like, 
why are these people tagging up? Like I watch ROH yeah. and I st- like I still don't know why why these three men. This are- feels like this feels like a buy-in match for sure. That like I feel like people will just be like, you know, we'll see if they do cool moves, but you'll probably give it to the embassy yeah. um, because at least it's a group of people that people know. Correct. So well, I actually, believe- hold, oh, go ahead. Quickly, though, um, if I'm not mistaken, according to rumors, Brian Cage is on his way out. His his contract is up. And he agreed to stay through Supercard. So we may see a title change because I don't think he's resigning with, as I like to call it, Tony Khan uh, Enterprises. Okay. Well, we'll there see if go. that's the case. So are that's you going to go with AR and Blake Christian? And oh, absolutely. If one, if, one of the three, if, if one of the three men is leaving, I don't expect them to retain the titles. Okay. I am going, All right. I'm going with the embassy. Because... No, I will go I along think, with Floyd. I, I think the they're going to try to get Brian Cage to stay. I think they're going to be like, please stay, please. Okay. All right. Well, then we had the we'll have the Ring of Honor television title between Samoa Joe, the champion, and Mark Briscoe. Um, honestly, because you know, Mark, I feel like in terms of the uh, yeah, because. I think they're going to want to have Mark Briscoe hold something since he was champion up until the unfortunate passing of Jay. I think this will be Mark Briscoe. I think they'll have him win this. It'll be a real feel good moment. I feel like so. That's I'm going to go Mark Briscoe. I am going to completely agree with you. I mean, honestly, the Briscoes, Mark, and showing respect and honor for the Briscoes. It's if y'all heard earlier, it's literally why we plan to go to L.A. So. I am very much, uh, yeah, I'm all about, you know, making sure, uh, giving the Briscoes and them the moment uh, they have had to go through some stuff that no one should have to go through. So, yeah, Briscoes all the way. They are? Yeah, uh, them boys forever, Mark Briscoe. All right. Uh, one-on-one match between Daniel Garcia and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Like, holy fucking shit. Um, love Daniel, love our boy there, the shit talker that he is. We going Tanahashi over here, boys. Dude, I I imagine for somebody that is just like a wrestler's wrestler, like uh Daniel Garcia is, this has to be like the ultimate like dream match for him. You know, uh, one of the biggest stars in Japanese history. It's gonna be. I think it's just going to be an amazing match. I'm I'm honestly happy for uh, Garcia for getting to perform. But anytime you can see one of the best Japanese wrestlers of the last 20 years in the ring, you're going to be excited. So I'm just excited for the match. But, yeah, it's Tanahashi's going over, I believe. There we go. Um, Then we have the Ring of Honor Women's Championship between Athena and Yuka Zakazaki. First of all, I got to say here, like straight up right now, I got to say, honest to God, um, fucking love, love Yuka Sakazaki. I love Yuka Sakazaki. I would very much go fucking batshit crazy if that was the case, if we got to see that happen. Um, but I believe Athena will retain. Um, but it would still be still be a wonderful feeling if that was the uh, the way the match went out. Uh, but I think it'll be an easy retain for uh, Athena. Completely, I agree, one hundred percent. Yeah, Athena, just in her work style, uh, just how you change the way you work can make someone a fan. 
I just thought she was another person and she had a really cool finisher. But since she has done the more aggressive style, the more just like, uh, just more ass asshole into a better right, uh, style, it's made her much more intriguing and just this bully type character. Uh, Yuka uh, is going to be it's going to be the perfect foil as far as the speed and the quickness. I am really looking forward to this match, but yeah, uh, I think all the way. Yeah. All right. Um, then re- the reach for the sky ladder match, probably what might be one of the most a- anticipated matches on the card. This match should be uh, really, really, really fucking special. I'm extremely, extremely excited for this. Um, and uh, this would be for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Uh, the teams involved, you have the Lucha Brothers, Top Flight, The Kingdom, Aussie Open, and Dralistico, and Roosh. Um, I will say this straight up. Uh, if the Kingdom win, I walk out. That's what I do. Um, that is my. That is what I say. If the Kingdom win, I walk out. Um, me personally, give it to Top Flight. That is my personal opinion. I would like to see Top Flight win it. Um, those guys have been working really hard, especially Dante, because Dante has worked a majority of his time in AEW without a fucking tag team partner because of the unfortunate things that has happened to Darius. Um, I think them winning would be fucking awesome. Um, I, they might be going with somebody that has a little bit more history with the Briscoes, um, but I will personally say uh, my pick is top flight. I am going with the Lucha Bros. I just, I think, um, you know, you're cycling through who the uh, the top teams are in AEW. You kind of cycle through. Lucha Bros are kind of on the down cycle. That that being said, you have to sell ROH's TV and pay-per-views. Fair. You, no, you, yeah. You need a, a tag team that can draw. You put the Lucha Bros in there. They're a reason to turn on the show. So Yeah, think, that's absolutely it. fair. Yeah. So I got Lucha Bros. JR. Um, I I'm so like torn. Uh first of all, I want to say um Floyd told me there's gonna be four teams in here, and I correctly predicted four of the teams. And then I found out they threw a curveball and and said, "Oh, we're adding Roosh and Drag and Dragalisco." So I was not. So I did say Ozzy Open was going to be in here because they were free agents and I think they could do something. Um, God, I'm uh, that's I'm so who, torn. Because- that's who I want to win. If you're asking me who I want to win, Ozzy Open all day. Fair um, enough. I Ozzy Open. It's not even close. I love that tag team. I think. They, like if you're saying, "Hey Floyd, who's your next team after FTR?" It's Aussie Open. They are, they are it. So yeah, I um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Top Flight, and for the reason being is when I'll say this quickly, Tony Khan when he bought Ring of Honor, the first thing I thought about was this should be a hybrid between a a normal wrestling company and a developmental territory, and I said Top Flight has. Like they should not be in AEW because they're never gonna get a chance to get the opportunity to like get a run because they're so young. But you need to do something to give them television exposure, and they are specifically made for what the new art vision of ROH is to be able to get out there, get storylines, put on great matches, get a run with the championship, and then eventually go back to AEW, essentially using ROH as an excursion. So I'm gonna go with Top Flight because I think I think it's their time to get that run. Okay, there we go. We have then 
El Hijo del Vigango versus Commander for the AAA Mega Championship. For everyone who was a fan of Vigango, uh, going into, uh, like, after seeing him and Kenny Omega tear the fucking house down, you get more of him. And this is going to be fucking stellar. Um, I think because of how much hype he has, I think uh, Vikango retains the title, I think. Because he's got a lot of hype. A lot of people have very much enjoyed what they've seen in the sample size with Kenny Omega. And I think it makes sense for him to retain. So I'm going with Vikango. Or Vikingo, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Well, apparently these two like like uh, like wrestling each other because the night before they're gonna be in a triple threat match on the Supercard Honor, and then like twenty something days from now they're gonna main event a GCW show with these same two people. So it's that's just hilarious. These two like for wrestling each other. I'm looking forward to the match. It's not Tony's belt, so uh, I I don't think there's any way that uh, the Mega Title changes hands. Jr. No, I think uh, El Hijo de Vikino is going to retain in a match that potentially is going to blow the roof off this place because what these both these talents can do, um, and what they can what they're going to end up doing together, there there is not a building that is tall enough to maintain the high aerial moves these both these guys are going to bring into this match. Yeah, it's going to be an unbelievable match. Um, then Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston. So that is going to be a fucking banger, too. I will also say, too, because I forgot to mention this as well with the AEW uh, Dynamite show um, with the BCC stuff. When Brian Danielson uh, turned heel again and attacked Kenny Omega, there's a point in the show where he screams, you are everything that's wrong with wrestling at Kenny Omega. Just had to say that because I thought that's a fucking line. And God fucking damn, I just thought that was a fucking barb. Uh, and I, I just totally it slipped my mind. I wanted to bring it up because that was a fucking lie. That being said, BCC member Claudio Castagnoli going up against Eddie Kingston. Um, I love Eddie, love him to death. Um, but the BCC is is incredibly hot, and they are really, really doing a bunch of shit. Um, and Claudio, as the Ring of Honor World Champion, uh, I do not see him losing that belt with the BCC being the way that they are. So. I say Claudio retains. Uh, I must go ahead. I was gonna say I see Claudio retain with some chicanery with his newfound, um, you know, heel tactics. Or he's gonna be there. May be some dirty tactics that go on that will get him to retain the ROH World Heavyweight Title over Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say as well. Uh, Claudio's the perfect ROH champion. When you're talking he about is. the ROH style and what it means just being a great wrestler, that's what they are, being a great wrestler, putting on great performances. I mean, he's he's the he's the guy. I mean, I, I, if anyone beats him for it, should be like Takeshita eventually, but I don't think it's Eddie Kingston. But guess what? I will say this about this. I have not ever... Like, since he joined AEW and got to work the way the site he won't, ever been bored by Eddie Kingston match. This match is going to bang. It is going to be awesome. I'm very excited for y'all being able to go see that show, and it's going to be really, really fucking fun to see. Um, but that is our preview for Supercard think, of Honor. We, I think we missed the match. Have we? Did you? Did we go over Wheeler Universe's Shibata? I did not that, put it on the list. Because fucking... It was, 
It wasn't on the ROH wrestling uh, front screen. So no, I did not. Uh, I did not put it on the list. That is completely on me. And it's the match. It's my number one match. It's the match I'm looking forward to most. Uh, Shibata is one of those people that I through New Japan. He was one of the first people that really stuck out to me as far as talented people. And, you know, he had a massive head injury that kept him out for a while, and he's been working again. And since then, it's just like, you know, I wanted to see him live, to just to be like, hey, I saw him live. And, you know, I, I got to saw, I see him do the, uh, you know, the, the different things. I've seen him. But this is, like, going to be a full match in the uh, pure style with Will Yuta. I think it's going to be fun. And I think we're, I think Willa Yuta's going to win. I w- I'm rooting for Shibata, and it's hard yeah. for me to say it. I but. feel like that's a lot of us right now. Like right. I said, again, apologies, apologies for forgetting that match. Floyd fucked me over and left me Yes, I, I, I completely I completely <laughs> took it. I left it off the thing. And it's so funny. Like I said, it's the match I'm looking forward to the most. If exactly. you ask me my w- number one match, I'm going to say Yuta and Shibata. But when I was doing the list, it just blanked out of my head. I don't know why. I'm very excited about this match. Yeah. No, that match is going to be amazing. Like I said, I was fucking like literally when we were at uh, when we were at uh, Forbidden Door, I was leaving because, like I said, we were fortunate enough to be able to have a uh, ringside seat that we could switch out with a bunch of our friends and uh, do Uh, with a really cool setup that the way uh, Sydney uh, made it happen. Um, I got out of my seat ready to go so somebody else could go. Uh, one of our other friends could go sit down to. I think it was Sydney actually getting ready to go see one of the one of the main event matches actually. And as I'm walking up the ramp actually to go get back to my seat, uh, I go and I hear Shibata's music and I turn. And I'm just like, oh my fucking god! And I was just like completely taken aback because I was like, there's no way, there's no way. So this Shibata match against Yuta is gonna fucking slap. Like Floyd said, I'm rooting like hell for Shibata. But like I said, BCC, they're fucking crazy hot right now. And I don't see any of them really uh, taking a hit, at least right now. Even against a guy like Shibata, I think Yuta will win. But I'm pulling for Shibata. Yeah, I I agree with you all. I actually uh, have a, a lot of fondness for Shibata. The first time I ever saw Ring of Honor live was Death Before Dishonor 2016. And I kept hearing about this hard-hitting guy from Japan, and he was going up against uh, wrestling's last romance, Silas Young, and they tore that venue down in Vegas. And so to to seek, especially with the new mean streak of what Yuta can do and what Shibata can do, uh, this is this is another match um, that I'm really excited for. All right. Well, now, I can say that's, I believe that's all the matches for Supercard of Honor. It's going to be a really good show, I feel like. Um, you know, after and, saying that, Tony Khan's gonna announce like three more tomorrow. Right? Oh no, that's exactly what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> but again, we the timing of this show never works out. We always get fucked over. Like I said, as I'm as Floyd's like, I'm 100 sure Floyd, uh, Punk's coming back after that tease, and I'm like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, Punk goes on Instagram and wants to say shit. So the the timing never works out. We always get fucked over. It's what happens with this show, and I can't control it. And it bothers bothers me, but is what he can. But um. We don't really have any much uh, news or notes other than that. Um, Floyd, did you want to say one last thing about your boys since it's very possible we could be seeing FTR leave AEW next week if they don't beat the guns? Dude, dude, dude. I would, you know what? 
it's it's kind of the case. Uh, sometimes you just like to be wrong. You know what I mean? I always say that, and it's like I I've been I've been very clear. I've had no doubt that they were staying with AEW, and it nothing, no personal information. It's just based on Dax on his podcast saying what he looks forward to in wrestling, that what he likes in wrestling. The time with his parent, uh, wife and kids and all that stuff. The schedule that's flexible. Being able to work for different companies. I've been very clear that at no point did I think FTR was actually leaving AEW. And it's it's not because I don't want to be quote unquote worked. It's just literally I listen, you know, I listen to people. When people talk, I do this weird thing and I actually listen to them. And it's just like he was telling you what he was doing the whole time. So next week. Unfortunately, I won't be there before it, but my boys will become the two-time, two-time, two-time AEW Tag Team Champions, and I'm pretty sure contract extension might get announced right after that match. Uh, so I am uh, excited, but if they do lose, I feel like it might be leading to an even more interesting storyline. So that would be cool. Too. So either way, let's go. Yes, let's go. But I think... That is going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. First of all, again, JR, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Appreciate you coming on. Um, and I'm very excited for y'all and your trip to L.A. for WrestleMania weekend. Y'all have a blast. Can't wait to hear about your guys' trip when you guys get back. And I hope everybody at home also enjoys WrestleMania weekend. It is going to be a fun week of wrestling, whether you're a fan of AEW, Ring of Honor, any kind of wrestling, because, of course, WrestleMania weekend provides plenty for you to choose from and then of course mania itself where we will hopefully see the prodigal son cody rhodes get the job done beat roman reigns and do what he accomplished and set out to accomplish when he and the bucks started AEW. so it'd be a nice little full circle moment i feel like but again jr thank you so much for joining us we appreciate you having having you on every single time we get you it's always a pleasure yeah well We'll close things out real quick. I know we went a little long. We had a lot to cover. Um, but please make sure you guys are downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to us, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. And you can also leave a rating and a review. It really helps out the show as well. It gets us up in the mentions and all that kind of jazz. And you can follow us on Twitter at ATElitePod on Twitter. And that is at ATElitePod at Twitter. I will say that again. Um, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this possible. Check out all the other shows they have on this network. Uh, it's special. They got a lot of great shows. Um, I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. At tw- on Twitter. And I will go ahead and pass it off to Floyd so he can take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Yes. Uh, eight years ago, on the 28th, this was Tuesday, I met FTR for the first time. I thought that was a pretty cool moment. I posted about it on my Twitter, but I just thought that was cool because Time Hop is the like uh, is like my favorite app because it reminds people it reminds me of stuff I don't remember. So, and I was just going through all my uh, WrestleMania uh, memories for over the last years, and it just made me think that you know. Uh, if you do get the chance to go to wrestling or whatever you are, you're passionate about, imagine it's wrestling. If you're listening to, uh, me and my friends talk about pro wrestling on this thing and you get a chance to go to the shows, don't, you cannot focus. And I have something I had to tell myself just yesterday. 
You cannot focus on what you can't do. You focus on what you get to do. I've had a very blessed life when it comes to uh, professional wrestling and the shows I've seen. I can say the same thing about JR and Austin, but sometimes in my excitement and in my FOMO, which me and JR have discussed at length how much FOMO causes you to make bad decisions, uh, but you know, you focus on what you can't do. And it sucks that you can't do it. And I'm not saying it doesn't suck in a moment. But if you focus on all the things you get to do, all the experiences you have, all the positives in your life, it will make those momentary la- uh, momentary setbacks, momentary disappointments feel a lot, uh, feel a lot um, less bad. Because in the end, you're still going to watch the show. I'm still going to watch the show next week. Still going to watch the show in Toronto. It's just I get to watch it at home with my own snacks or whatever I want to do. So you got to think of the positive. So I will leave you with that. You know, just focus on the good in life, not on the bad. And uh, and I don't mean that in a toxic positivity way. If bad shit's happening, bad shit's happening. But I'm just talking about missing wrestling shows. So I will leave you how I always leave you with a special WrestleMania message. Everybody root for the American Nightmare, (laughs) Cody Rhodes. And whether you are at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.